It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is September 17th, 2020. My name is Phil Prosper. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at PhilipRR_OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we'll have part two of my conversation with Stuart Hodge as we discuss what, where the Orlando Magic go next and, and sort of what goals they maybe fell short of in the 2020 season and how they can begin correcting them in 2021. We'll also discuss a little bit, I, I think, at this part of the conversation. This is a three-part conversation. We'll discuss a little bit about some of the overarching goals uh, of the Orlando Magic and their, their kind of larger philosophy. So we'll get into all that coming up in just a moment. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching wherever you download podcasts for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Tonight is Game 2 of the Eastern Conference Finals between the Miami Heat and Boston Celtics. Get yourself ready for that contest with both Locked On NBA as well as our local podcasts, Locked On Heat and Locked On Celtics. Both of those shows do a great job covering their team. No matter what team it is, whether it's in the NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, or College 2, you can find a Locked On podcast for you. Just search wherever you download podcasts for Locked On and the team you're looking for, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Today's episode is also brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. I think just on the point that you were making about sort of the, the stage that the Magic are at, I think an important thing to to, to try and look at, and I, for me anyway, is look at the, the development of the individuals and, and look at the development, especially of these younger players, in both as part of the collective and in isolation. So we did speak about the veterans, we spoke about the culture, and the reason that I thought you can, you can tar the bubble of success is because, you know what, these guys fought through some severe adversity and, and really showed how much they cared. And that's important because, as you say, Serge Ibaka checked out. There's been loads of Magic players have checked out and just treated it as a holiday near Disney World for years, you know? And and that is, that is as a Magic fan, that was very frustrating. Although Evan Fournier sort of dribbling into traffic and losing the ball or throwing it straight out of bounds is frustrating. His frustration at that, and seeing the fact that everyone's still playing hard on every play, players like Michael Carter, Williams, and, and and James Ennis was a great addition as well for that. Just players that have got hustle, that have got tenacity, and that care, and, and that has been the the big area of growth for me. But one of the biggest positives, and we've not mentioned his name yet, when I look at this season, is I look at Wesley Wundu, and I see a very, very, very serviceable NBA wing now. I see a guy that's shot is getting better, that is getting more confident with it. Also someone that defends with a lot of, of tenacity, but also a lot of intelligence. And I see someone that has, 
I mean, he's not the most athletic NBA star in his position, but I think he's someone that can switch a bit and that can do a few different things and can definitely be a useful role player on on any type of NBA team. And someone like that and looking at his development, which has been one of the real sort of subtle pluses for the season for me, and I think he showed it in the I think he showed it in the regular season, but I think he showed it in the bubble as well. That's kind of the yardstick by which I'm measuring loads of different factors here. I'm measuring Steve Clifford's uh, performance by how well he's managing to get the players to develop. Because my argument about his tenure in Charlotte is that player development was an area of weakness for him. I also think that. Uh, I, I mean, if you look at Weltman and Hammond at the Bucks, then uh, you could say, yeah, the, the Yanis thing was a stroke of luck or a stroke of genius. You could tar it as either. But you look at what they did round about that and, and what they're doing at the Magic, there are a few parallels that you can draw. But if you look at just the way that these individual players are developing, um, some of the, the lesser heralded names in the roster of the younger ones, that's where I think the the real sort of shoots of positivity can be seen. Because if you can make a good serviceable NBA player of Wes Wondu, then that's great. There's a few players sort of on the fringes as well, sort of who've maybe had a lot of G League minutes who could maybe make that jump as well. And it's these kind of factors that are making me think, you know what, the Gary Clark thing, I think that was that was a great piece of business because it was what the Magic needed. We actually need another two of them. But <laughs> or similar. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, as, as John Hammond said, yeah, like the Magic were down their entire power forward position pretty much the entire year with Isaac and Aminu out. Exactly. So, but I think I think as well with with the fact he he can shoot the three that that was a massive thing, and the the, the one thing that I think is forgotten as well as these individual sort of elements of progress is it's almost like the Magic are neglecting the one thing that the NBA has a greater abundance of than it ever has in terms of shooting. Because if if you look at every team in the NBA, every team in the NBA probably just about has more decent guys who are just shooters than the Magic. So if we add some shooting around the, the, the rest of what's there then there, there is the potential to build something. But it's going to come to a point, especially with a condensed off-season, you wonder which of the big teams are going to panic? Which of the big teams are going to say, right, do you know what? We need to make a big move. And that big move might be for a Nikola Vucevic type. Because Nikola Vucevic's contract is not too disheartening to try and trade for. Same yeah. with Terence Ross. So the way that the contracts as well, that's another thing that they've done quite cleverly. They've structured the contracts in such a way that all of the assets are tradable or more tradable than they would be. And that these it's these small subtle things that people ignore that are the, the areas that give me real positivity. And I still feel positive even if we don't get the, the sort of monster version of Jonathan Isaac that it looked was about to emerge. Because Jonathan Isaac... Let's not let's not beat around the bush. He was about to hit the NBA like a freight train in that bubble. Like if we had played the Bucks, which obviously in the, in the playoffs, and Isaac had been fit, then it would have been next. There would have been no question in anyone's head that next year he would have been an All NBA defender. That I think he would have been first team. I think everyone would have predicted that. We've all known about him for a while, but he was about to hit the league like a freight train. That's what made it such a a sapping moment. But 
as well as that, there's a lot more to this team than Jonathan Isaac now. And that's the real positive for me because for a while, I think your hopes as a Magic fan were like, yeah, what can Jonathan Isaac be and how can we build around it? We've now got Markel Fultz. We've now got a few other players that are developing and we've got tradable assets that allow us to make a move. It's a much better time to be a Magic fan than it has been for a long time. Yeah, I mean, and I think I think undoubtedly Jonathan Isaac would have defended Giannis uh, in that playoff series. And, and Isaac's actually, I mean, you look at the numbers, Isaac's defended Giannis as well as any player in the league. And Aaron Gordon actually has too. So the Magic were down... Two guys, you know, you're not stopping Giannis, especially in a playoff series, because he does elevate his game. But you're talking about two guys who have had a lot of success and do and can give Giannis problems because they're athletic and they're big enough to handle him. So again, and honestly, like you know, a lot of people I think question the signing of Al Farouk Aminu, and you know, I question it too because you know, you're right. The Magic desperately needed shooting, and they had limited resources to get it. They believed they were a playoff team. They believed they were a team that was ready to take the next step. And instead of addressing a shooting need. They dressed another need, and that's just kind of more front court athleticism depth. And you know, you look at what happened to the Magic in Game Three of the of the series against the Raptors when Jonathan Isaac got into foul trouble. You know, the Magic had to keep Aaron Gordon on Kawhi Leonard. That left Terrence Ross to guard Pascal Siakam, and Siakam torched them at the end of that yep. game and, and cost them a playoff game. So, the logic behind signing Al Farouk Aminu wasn't bad. You know, I, I think that's that's still really important. I mean, you look at if the Magic had gone into a series with Milwaukee they would have had three guys that they could have felt very comfortable throwing at Giannis Antetokounmpo. And that's the idea. You know, if you have a team that has two solid wing players, you have three really good defenders to handle those two players. So if someone gets into foul trouble, you could still throw a really good defender at them. So the logic behind the Al Farouk signing wasn't bad. Obviously, it didn't pan out because he tore his meniscus. He couldn't shoot, you know, the broad side of a barn um, throughout the entire year. But um, and the games that he did play, but you know, it, it, it may not have have been the most optimal use of resources, but it wasn't an, a, a terrible idea. And and I think fans, you know, I, I do think Aminu's, you know, ne- next year's a prove it year for Aminu. Obviously, like next year, Aminu's got to show that he's healthy and that he can bounce back from whatever was causing him to miss all the shots, at all the shots, not just shots, the layups that he was missing in in yeah. in that in the early part of the season. And I think people forget just how good defensively he was at the beginning of the season and, and, and what he can provide. He is still, to me, he is still a starter-level player, and, and, and the Magic got him to come off their bench, convinced him to come off their bench. So, you know, I, I, I'm not ready to, to, to put Aminu to bed to, to yet, but um, kind of on that point, you know, this is a, a, a big deal for Orlando that they have, to, they have to start, you know, figuring out how to fill these short-term needs and, and how to fill how to kind of modernize this team a little bit more and modernize their offense. Because, I mean, very clearly the issue for this team is its offense. You know, Jonathan Isaac, you know, averaged, what, 14 points per game this year? Like, he had a good season. I mean, he had a career season, you know, across the board, but he is not considered an offensive option yet. You know, Nikola Vucevic and Evan Fournier are see, you, see, you, you say that, you say that, and I totally agree that he's not done enough to, to, to be considered as that. However, what I would say is the way that he was looking like, because he looked like the one thing you can work on when you had the injury he had before was was your shooting. And it looked like he had been working on it. He looked, his, his sort of pull-up three was looking half decent. And in terms of catch and shoot threes, I looked at him and I thought, you just look a lot more confident doing this. And it wasn't just that. It was the certain assertiveness 
with which he went about his business offensively just seemed different, I thought. That was part of what was making me so excited before he went down with the injury because we all know what he can do in defence. And um, if anything, that that was just amplified by, by having him back in the team. But he just seemed more sure of himself offensively rather than just like, can I try and stand somewhere in space and try and shoot the ball vaguely towards the rim? It looked like he, he actually looked like someone that kind of knew what he should be doing. Uh, and there was an assertiveness there, I thought, that hadn't been there before in terms of decision-making and in terms of knowing where he should be and also the way he was shooting the ball. Did you perceive that as well? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I, I mean, I think there's just a general confidence. Like, I mean, I, I mean, I think if I think if you had any doubts that that he wasn't 100 percent healthy, like Isaac put those to bed because he played he played in those those three games, both the the scrimmage game against the Nuggets and then the, those first two games, like he was fully healthy. I mean, honestly, you don't make the move that Isaac made where he tore his ACL if you're if you don't feel 100 percent confident that you can make that move. Uh, and and get to the basket, uh, you know. To, to be frank, I mean that that is, you know, that is a high level move that that he made, and unfortunately his knee just buckled. It just is, is you know, mm-hmm. the, the human body couldn't hand couldn't handle it. Um, uh, you know, and you know, I don't believe it was related to the injury. Every everything I've read has suggested it, that it was not, but you know, certainly that's 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 something to think about. I mean, I think I personally think ACL injuries are are fairly random, and and there's no way to predict, no way to accurately predict them. Um, so, you know, I, 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 I don't, I, I'm not going to say that it wasn't, wasn't caused by coming back too soon, but you know, all indicate, again, all indications are the magic acted very deliberately with Isaac. Um, you know, he certainly looked like he was comfortable and, 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 and healthy enough to play. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't think the magic regret that decision. I don't think Isaac regrets that decision to be, to be no, frank. Um, I, I don't think so either. And I, I, I wouldn't place any blame at the door of either Isaac for trying to sort of push himself too much or the, the coaching or training staff. I am confident that Jonathan Isaac should have been back playing basketball. I think it was just a freak occurrence, to be honest. And the one thing that does worry you is ACL, I mean, it's, it's pretty much the worst injury you can get as an athlete, or it's it's very much up I mean, there, other than broken backs. And here's here's, here's and the here's the thing about ACLs. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's the worst injury. I think ham I think hamstring or Achilles tears are the worst injury that you can have, and, and it's gonna be interesting to see what Kevin Durant does when he comes back next season. Because um, you know those are you know it's not impossible to come back, but those are much more difficult. Do you to come mean back. do you mean in terms of gravity or persistence? Um. I just mean in, in difficulty of, of getting back to 100%. Um, you know, you look at ACL tears, they are not death sentences. Um, you know, it, it, the, only, the, only pro, the only issue with an ACL tear is it takes time to come back. Um, you know, it just takes, it takes a full year to recover and then probably another full year to get back to 100%. So it's, it's, just, it's just time. And I think that's the case with any leg injury. I mean, we, I was talking about Mobamba's foot uh, leg injury from last year. You know, you can come back and play, you know, quicker than a year. But from everything that I read about the injury Mobamba had, it takes a full year to be a hundred percent from the from the time of the injury. And and again, you go back and look at Mobamba and how he played. You know, January thirty first to the to the end of the season, he was. I think he was turning a corner. You know, I, I really I was really happy yeah, with Mo's season overall. Um, and I think especially around that late January period, he was starting to play significantly better. You could see the shot was a lot better. And again, it's these these timelines are all rough and fudgy, but but you know, those are kind of the guidelines. And so, you know, I, I do think that I do think that Bombo was turning a corner. And so, you know, 
I, I have every confidence Isaac's going to be back. Um, you know, I have, I have every confidence that Isaac, you know, is going to be, you know, as good as he was uh, when the injury, you know, from before the injury. Um, I, 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 I don't have any reservation whatsoever about Isaac and, and about his ability to recover. The issue is it's time. You know, you lose him for the entire 2021 season. Um, you know, you're going to have to sign him to a contract, likely a four-year contract, um, just based off of, you know, two very injury-riddled seasons and one full season. And and that part sucks. And, you know, this injury cost Isaac a lot of money. Let's let, I mean, let's, let's be real about that too. Um, he was probably looking at a contract in the, you know, maybe four years, 85, maybe $90 million range. If he was able, if he was able to play next season, it's probably going to be down to like four years, 75, you know, maybe he gets to 80. Um, you know, the, the, the numbers that I've been seeing people project are like Evan Fournier's contract, like 17 and a half million per year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's, he's gonna, he's gonna get that contract. I mean, if he's at 15, 16, 17 a year, 17 a year, He's going to get that contract because, you know, the Magic are, are very invested in him. And, and I don't think they have any reason not to be, but they're going to be signing him a bit blind. And it's going to take, you know, next year for him to recover, to, to rehab and to, to get back on the floor. And that's probably going to be another full year before he's really Jonathan Isaac again, uh, or he really kind of is able to get back to meeting his full potential. So, you know, there's going to be some injury management for a little while, but I, I, I have no reservations that Jonathan Isaac will be back on the floor. I wish there were a better way to transition into the next part I have to read, but when your car is on the mat, when your car is not feeling so great, when it needs a year, well, hopefully it doesn't need a year, but when it needs to go see its doctor and you need the parts to make it work, you can only trust one source to get it done. The auto parts dealers, the auto parts dealerships, the auto parts stores, they can be daunting and you don't quite know if you're getting the best price. Well, rockauto.com is a completely different experience. It is family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, what I think that does do, and I think this is maybe where we should start turning the conversation a little bit, I do think that puts a different emphasis on the 2021 season. Because Isaac isn't going to be there, you know, I do think that the 2021 season is very different now. Um, you know, I don't think most of us are expecting the Magic to take that step forward. Um, you know, a lot of us are frankly expecting the Magic to take a step back because they won't have one of their key players. And I think that this, you know, does give the Magic an opportunity to shift the roster a little bit and, and 
you know, be able to take a step back and say, and say publicly, oh, well, you know, we didn't have Jonathan Isaac, you know, we, you know, we're, we're trying to create, you know, the team that we want Jonathan Isaac to be a part of, so to speak. And so, you know, I, I do think that, I do think that 2021, it's a very difficult season to gauge just because A, we don't know when it's going to take place, but B, because, because without Isaac, a, a huge chunk of this team isn't going to be there. A huge chunk of how this team moves forward isn't going to be there. And so I think the Magic will look to move forward in other ways. And, and like you said earlier um, in the conversation, I, I do think that you know that could mean that, yes, they move off of Nikola Vucevic. I, I don't think it's impossible that Nikola Vucevic gets moved this summer, you know, Evan Fournier will be an expiring contract at this point. You know, uh, you know, I expect him to take his player option. I expect him to stay on the team. Um, but I also expect that the Magic will be looking to move him at the trade deadline. Um, you know, if, unless they're like really in the thick of a playoff race. But even then, like Evan Fournier probably uh, isn't a part of this uh, team's future. Yeah, listen, I, I don't, I think it would be, I might be overstating it, but I think it would be almost tantamount to lunacy not to try and move an expiring Evan Fournier deal. Like I, I think because of the type of player he is, he's the one that can offer a bit of punch for a team that maybe is looking to bolster their attacking options. I've always thought Evan Fournier's ideal role in the NBA is as a sixth man or as a, a bench scoring option. So with that in mind, I think he could be on a contender or potential contender. He could be very much that, and he could be a player that you could flip for something very interesting with that in mind. Um, Nikola Vucevic is the type of player. Everything that Nikola Jokic does, right, for the Denver Nuggets makes Nikola Vucevic seem like a more valuable asset because the league is finally coming around to this idea of playmaking centres, actually having them as the fulcrum of your team is not a bad thing. And the one thing I would say about the Nikola Vucevic is I think he's the player that... What he can do is he can create shots and he can just make plays and score in situations. And it's the type of situations where a lot of teams who have got shooters all around the perimeter and lots of ball movement happening, the one thing they don't have is that guy that can just sort of in the post or at the elbow just sort of do a couple of pivot moves and then make sure you get the basket. Nikola Vucevic is, is a master craftsman at doing that kind of thing. So I look at so many teams... And what they are missing is a Nikola Vucevic. And we actually had a, a short chat before the call where we said that loads of, of teams are mentioning the likes of Aaron Gordon, for example, perhaps because of his age and the, and the differential there in, in trade rumours. But Nikola Vucevic is the guy that fills more of a hole for more of these teams like the Warriors, like the Celtics, in my opinion, where they're looking for a centre and they're looking for a scorer at that position. And these are the kind of teams that could cover up for any defensive deficiencies that Nicola's got. And let's not forget, he's a good glass eater as well. And again, it's another contract that's running down. It's, it's going down $2 million every season um, uh, until the end of the 2023 campaign. So with that in mind, that makes him such a movable piece. Terence Ross as well. He's the one I don't yeah. want us to move, but he's such a movable piece. You mentioned I mean, Terrence Ross fits in anywhere. Like I, I was actually talking to someone yesterday, and I was like, you know, my my kind of hot take is Terrence Ross is probably the most movable contract on the team at this point. I would say that's probably right, given the, the given the money that's being paid, and given just the fact that he, he's he's a lights out scorer and and he can do it on his own or he can do it as part of a team, uh, as, as part of a team structure. And I think that 
that sort of fact that he's kind of pliable and, and usable in, in different guises. Terence Ross could start for an NBA team, and uh, he's he's a very very good bench option for an NBA team as well. So I think I think he can fill a lot of holes for a lot of teams. I think he's. I would also agree with you. I think he's the most movable contract on on the roster, and it's to be honest, it's a roster of really good contracts <laughs> in terms of the way it's constructed. The only the only deal I don't like that the Magic have got is the one you mentioned with Aminu. And yeah. it's because it's, it's going up the way he's earning 10 million quid in 21-22, which is the season. That's the the season five where you finally go, right, look, guys, um, it's, it's time to deliver in, in terms of the front office. By that point, um, even if Jonathan Isaac never comes back to, to the level he was or or, or, or something happens that, that means that he's, he's no longer on the team or, or can't play or whatever, I think even at that season, by that point, this front office have to have made this Magic team at least middle, medium sort of level contender in terms of the the, the playoff seed that we pick up in the East, um, and that's even accounted for the East maybe going to improve in the next in the next couple so, of years if some so, moves happen. So this is this is something that I that I kicked around for much of this season, and and certainly seeing the Miami Heat succeed as they have, you know, has has kind of firmed up where I believe the Magic are at. Um, you know, I, I've gotten some flack for this, but but I, I still think the comparison is apt. Um, the Magic are kind of where the Miami Heat were two years ago. Um, if you remember, the Miami Heat, you know, gave big contracts to Josh Richardson, to Hassan Whiteside, to Goran Dragic, to James yep. Johnson, to Dion Waiters. It was all within like two years. And so entering this, entering the 2019 season, the Heat were, I think, $200,000 underneath the, the luxury tax and they had a roster that looked like it was stuck. Like they had no way forward. That you know, this was the team that they were going to be stuck with, and this was a low-level playoff team, uh, if that. And obviously, the Magic kept them from making the playoffs last season. I mean, the Heat, the Heat have had an incredibly successful run under Pat Riley, um, but they had missed the playoffs three of the last uh, five, three of the last five years before entering this season. Um, but then they're able to pull the trade off to get Jimmy Butler, and and that deal involved a lot of moving pieces. The, Sixer, the Sixers took on Josh Richardson as part of the sign-and-trade deal. In, in that deal, they moved Hassan Whiteside to Portland. They were able to get rid of that big contract. They actually agreed to and had a trade reneged on Goran Dragic. So, mm-hmm. it, so I think what's really important for Magic fans to realize, and again, I'm not saying the Magic or the Miami Heat. The difference between the Magic and the Miami Heat is Pat Riley can sit down, show you his rings, and that's how he gets free agents. Free agents respond. Well, yeah, there's that there's that, and the, the market itself. Is, I mean, is, the market itself, I think, is is a little is a little bit of it. Um, Eric Spolstra is one of the best coaches in the league. He's proven that time and time and time again. It's so good. Look like what he's done this he season. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, Clifford's not a bad coach either. I think I think people, you know, I, I think people under you know respect Steve Clifford, but you know, Eric Spolstra is a championship level coach. Yeah. The other thing that he do exceptionally well which allows them to make these kind of big wild swings all the time. And, and they hit on a lot of them is they draft and scout incredibly well. Their G league, their G league system is fantastic. You know, Sioux Falls not only wins in the G league, but they provide players to the heat, which is something I think the Lakeland magic, the Lakeland magic have, have aced winning in the G league. They win in the G league, but now they got to start graduating players to the NBA. And I, I think that's kind of the next phase in, in Anthony Parker's development as a GM there. And, and, and the way the magic use the G league, I mean, you know, the Raptors, Raptors 905 won the G League championship. Not only did they graduate Nick Nurse to the to the NBA, they've graduated a lot of players like Terrence Davis and Chris Boucher. And you know, they used uh, they used Pascal Siakam to grow there a little bit too. Um, you know, so 
you know, I, I think the Magic want to follow that model, but I think that part is still a work in progress. They also draft exceptionally well. Bam Adebayo was a, what, 13th pick. Tyler Hero was a 14th pick. Um, you know, you're getting I, I Justice Winslow. I could not believe that Tyler... Winslow. See, see, Tyler Hero. I could, I could not believe he fell that low. I, I was, I was very, very, very high on him. I mean, I think um, he, I, I think, I think the question was always about his defense and his competitiveness. And honestly, going to Miami, you know, not, not, not that it wasn't in there already, but going to Miami brought the best out of him. And, and I think that's again kind of culture the Magic are trying to build. Like you said, like Wesley Wundu's turned into a nice player, but you know, I, I have some doubts about Wesley Wundu because he can't, he can't crack Steve Clifford's rotation. Like it's. It's frustrating because I do think he's good enough to do it. I do think he's good enough to play. But, you know, Steve Clifford always kept him in his back pocket. He didn't put him out on the floor consistently. And I, and I think that, I, I honestly, like, again, I think that was a little unfair to a one dude because he's he's earned, earned a lot of that trust. And I, I and, think he's, yeah, you, talk, you talk about young players earning trust to displace veterans, right? And I yes. think Waze of one dude has done enough to earn trust. And the thing the is, same, it's, not, it's time, not just, well, oh, and you go. But, but at the same time, you know, when they decided to acquire James Ennis, they decided to acquire James Ennis instead of giving that role to Wes Iwundu. And, and, I, and I think, I don't think that bodes well for Iwundu in restricted free agency this summer. Like, I don't, I don't know what the Magic are going to do with him. I, I, I think it's possible they bring him back, but I, I, I don't know what they're, what, what they're going to do with him. And, and if I'm Wes, you know, I'm looking maybe for an opportunity where I can play a little bit more because, um, you know, I don't know if that opportunity is going to come in Orlando, to be frank. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's. I think that's fair enough. I, I've actually been quite pleased with his progress, and I think he's. Not oh, me too. Given me too. And, and I, I, I'm saying this because I want him to play. Like, I want him to get the opportunity that Orlando just has not been able to give him. On the flip side, Melvin Frazier. Um, I mean, did the Magic maybe even not pick up his team option? Uh, I think it's very possible. I, I think he had like Belvin. I think has made progress. Like when he got into games. He de- his shot's definitely significantly better than it was two years two years ago. And I mean, honestly, that's what I think could be interesting about this 2021 season for the Magic is, you know, maybe they don't go after some veterans. Maybe they add one key veteran to kind of boost their starting lineup, but maybe they say, you know, our depth this year, we're going to rely on the young players. We're going to give Melvin Frazier a chance. We're going to pick up his team option. We're going to give, you know, we'll sign Wesley Wondu to a one or two year deal. And give him that, give him that opportunity, and we'll sink or swim on those, and figure out what we really have, so that as we make our next steps, as we plan our next steps, we, you know, we we know which what kind of pieces we have, and you know, I, I hate to say that the 2021 season is a throwaway season because Jonathan Isaac isn't out there. Um, you know, I still think the Magic want to make the playoffs, but if they happen not to have a great season and they end up with the high draft pick, you know, the 2021 draft is pretty good. I I don't think that would be the end of the world either. And I don't think we'd consider that a failure necessarily. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. No, I, I totally agree. And by the way, just for a bit of context, right? Because I think this is where a lot of people sometimes forget. Wesley Wundu is older than Aaron Gordon. 
right? And and yeah. that's something that sometimes flips a lot of Magic fans' heads. He's three years older than Mohamed Bamba and Jonathan Isaac or Markel Fultz, you know, um, a year older than Gordon. That's that that's the thing. Like w- when you look at these players, it doesn't matter. And a lot of people sometimes lose sight of that as they think, yeah, they've been in the league for for however long they've been in the league. Despite God, the length of Gordon's tenure in the league, he was drafted so young that he's picked up so much experience. Yet he's still really young. There's still loads of places his game can go, and that that's I'll, what makes him an I'll exciting say, asset. I'll say this about Aaron Gordon. He is now the same age that Victor Oladipo was when he had his all-star breakthrough in, in with the Pacers. So, you know, if, so, if I'm not mistaken. So, that's, so it's, that, that, that's it's, a good it's point not impossible that, I mean, I know we've been waiting on Aaron Gordon forever, but it's not impossible that that leap is, is on the way. Um, just kind of one last point on, on that Heat point, though. You know, I, I, I think what the Heat did really well is they put themselves in a position to make the all-in move. And Jimmy Butler was their all-in move. Um, they, you know, they had guys like Bam Adebayo who they felt was ready to start. You know, they've, they, their, their cap guys are so good. They've positioned themselves to be free agent players in 2021. But honestly, you know, they, they wouldn't be players for 2021 if they didn't have something for that player to arrive to. Uh, and so, yeah. so Jimmy Butler was an all-in move for them. Um, and if, if they weren't able to get him, if, they weren't a, if that didn't work out, um, you know, the, it, it's very possible that, you know, their 2021 plans wouldn't work out as well as they, they'd hoped either. Um, but I do think... I don't think the Magic are there for 2021 because, like I said, 2021, I don't want to say it's a throwaway season, but I don't think it would be the worst season to throw away, so to speak. Um, it does feel like the next, like the, I think the Magic will make some peripheral moves in 2021. I, I don't think, or in the summer or offseason, I, I don't think that they're going to make the big splashy move. I think the roster will stay largely the same, but I think what the Magic are trying to do is they're trying to position themselves for the all-in move. And it's about making the right all-in move. I mean, I know some people have said, go get the second pick and take Andrew Wiggins' contract, which, you know, any contract in the NBA is movable. I'm not a big fan of Andrew Wiggins as a player. I'm not a big fan of that contract. But I've always said this. If you believe the guy that you're taking with the second pick is the guy, is your guy, go do it. Like, absolutely go do that deal right now. Um, You know, if it costs you Nikola Vujic, if it costs you Aaron Gordon, take Andrew Wiggins. You know, he'll be be productive on a raw, raw numbers basis. Get the guy. Get the guy that you really want. Um, right now, what the Magic need to do is they need to be very focused, very intentional, and very targeted with who they acquire, especially if it is a big all-in move, because that all-in move is going to set the franchise up for the next five years. It honestly, the next big move, the next big trade that Jeff Weltman. Yeah, makes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, it's, it's going to be. It's going to define it. It's going, it's going to, define to define the entire. Intent, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, with that in mind. What what is it the magic lack? Who is our guy? What what type of guy is it that pushes they need a bucket the getter? Magic? They need a bucket getter. I mean, they need a guy that you know shot clock's winding down. You know, ten seconds left on the clock can just create a shot, even when the defense is loading up, even when the defense is stopping him. They need a guy that can just get a shot. Um, and like the playoffs, you know, and this is all about the playoffs. You know, the Magic run a very structured, disciplined, you know, offense and defensive set. Um, But when it comes to the playoffs, when everyone knows what's coming, you've got to be able to improvise. And honestly, that's what's so exciting about Marco Fultz is, you know, he adds a little unpredictability and improvisation to the team. And and that's why I think he's so successful for them. But they need... That's also why we need to space the floor around him. Because... Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's what will create the lanes for him to drive and and create his magic. Because he can finish at the bucket so, so well. Yeah, and so, I mean, something that I've kicked around a little bit 
was, you know, DeMar DeRozan and Evan Fournier both have player options for this year. You know, I know the contracts don't quite match up, so there'd be some more math to do, but let's swap them. You know, we know DeMar DeRozan is a gifted scorer. I don't think he's the answer because he's not a good three-point shooter, but I want to see what the Magic look like when they have a guy that can just get you a bucket. DeMar DeRozan can get you a bucket. Like, and he's, he's relatively efficient, even though he's not a three-point shooter at doing so. He can oh. get you a basket. I don't think he's the answer. I'm not saying the Magic should do that. Why but, did the Spurs do that trade, though? Uh, I, I'm, I'm not getting into that. I, I'm just saying... This is literally a half-baked idea. I don't think it's the right move. I don't think I would do it. No, but no. Okay. Go, go get a guy... You know that you know, and, and maybe Andrew Wiggins is this guy. I don't think Andrew Wiggins is that guy because he's he's not he's not efficient at what he does, and we know as a top scoring option that he's he, you're not going anywhere. But I, I want to see what this Magic team looks like with a guy that can get you 20 on any given night that that can go off for you know 30, 40 points. I mean, it's been a while. The Magic have really only had what Tracy McGrady and Penny Hardaway as guys you could go off for 40 on any night. Maybe Vince Carter. You know, Vince Carter had that one night that he did it, but they've never had a supremely gifted. Uh, offensive wing player since McGrady left. And that was 2004. So it's 16 years now. Um, so for the that, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with you that that should be the, the type of player that the Magic target. With that in mind, how much of that kind of thing can Jumo Keke potentially bring to the table? I, I don't think he's that player. I, I think that, I mean, uh, from what I've seen about Okiki, and, you know, maybe he is because, you know, college game is different than the NBA game and, and some guys translate well, but what I've seen from Okiki is he is very much in the vein of a Jonathan Isaac and Aaron Gordon. He is an athletic wing defender. He's a better shooter than the two of them were in college. Uh, you know, he's he's still figuring out how to create offense for himself, but largely if you give him a straight line drive at the basket, he'll finish. He'll hit He'll hit a corner three. He'll hit a, he'll hit, he'll hit a spot up three-pointer. Um, you know, he's, he's athletic. He's a smart defender. He's, he's a team player. And, and you know, I, I think at 15, if you're getting that, you're, you're fine. I mean, the Magic took him with, what, the 16th pick? If you're getting that kind of a player at 16, you've done well. If you get a role player, if you get someone who can fill, I mean, honestly, like, I think a successful draft is getting a player that, that my, my bar for the draft is very low. If you're getting a player that can contribute and play well, that is a, that is a successful draft to me. You got you to gotta find well, your well, stars well, somewhere. But, 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 you know, you just want a guy that can contribute and, and doesn't look lost on the floor. What, what um, do you think? What do you think the magic target in the draft? Because I think it's um, w w with it being a, a pretty weak draft class, um, and and the magic obviously not having a particularly high pick, then it kind of begs the question. I mean, should the magic maybe even just look to move the draft pick in a contract? I, like I think it's. I think it's very. I think the magic have a lot of options in this year's draft. Um, I think that they could very easily move the pick. You know, move out of the draft completely. Um, you know. Uh, attach a veteran with the draft pick to get uh, get a, a player that that they feel can help them in the short term. I think the Magic could move up in the draft. Um, you know, I I I definitely think the Magic are a team. Like you said, like Nikola Vucevic feels like a very attractive player to a lot of teams. Golden State does not need a rookie. Um, they believe their championship window is still open. They a rookie a rookie. You know, if this were a super talented draft, a rookie would probably be the right thing. But like. You know, does anyone really believe that James Wiseman is the next great center? You know, uh, does anyone believe that Anthony Edwards is the next great scorer? Does anyone believe, you know, like uh, and what Lamelo Ball is or Onyeka Okongwu? Like, you know, I, I like Denny Avdia a lot, but I don't think he's a breakaway prospect. I think he's going to be a solid role player, but not a star in this league. I, I, th I think the the thing is with the Luka Doncic situation, I think it's just like the whole Europe thing has flipped on its head completely. Well, yes, Whereas yes, everyone's but, now looking but, for the but, next. But at the, great but at the same time, but at the same token, like Luka Doncic was the MVP of Euro League. 
Like, no, like, no, no, no. I get your guy, point, but what I'm saying is, nowhere, but. no, no, no. But I think what I'm saying is, I think that people are now looking for the next European prospect sure. rather than looking to 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 write off players coming from Europe as, oh yeah, that's just going to be another bust. I mean, I I personally could not believe it that he wasn't the first pick in the draft. I just could, I could not either. believe it. I, a player with that pedigree, with that amount of ability, and a player, and this was the key bit for me a basketball player that didn't rely on his athleticism to be great. Uh, uh, with, with so much experience and composure at such a young age, I just couldn't believe it. Even with the the sort of the, I mean, the Aiton Phoenix stuff, you could you, you could go on about for a wee while. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the, I think the, the, that, that in years to come, no matter how good a career Trey Young has, uh, I think that sw- pick swap that they did um, with, with Dallas trading up to get to make sure they got Doncic. Uh, but again, and, and, and I would make I would make this point too. You know, you look at how the Mavericks moved up to get Doncic, and and again, we can. I know people still debate whether the Magic, you know, should have lost that last game. They tried, um, or whether the Magic should have done more to go get Doncic. You know, we don't know. We don't know how close the Magic were to getting to that pick. I don't think they were going to get there. I think the Hawks. I think the Hawks were always the the, guy, the, the team that was going to get them. Uh, that was or the, the Hawks were always the team. Or the Mavericks were always the team that was going to get them. They were ahead of the Magic in the draft order anyway. So ultimately, that's probably what won, won the debate. Um, but you know, you go back and look to like how Utah got up and traded for uh, Donovan Mitchell. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that I do think the Magic need to be good at and need to be better at, and something that Jeff Ullman's frankly been a little bit weak at in his tenure here is they have to target the draft players that they want, whether it's Devin Bissell, whether it's Aaron Neesmith, whether it's, you know, whoever, Obi Toppin, I don't think it's Obi Toppin, or Isaac Okoro, or whoever it is. If the Magic really believe in a player in this draft, go get him. Like, like that. seriously, that's, that's the only statement. The only time you have, like, complete control over a player before their ego, you know, before their ego and everything else takes over is that rookie contract and the first extension after the rookie contract. You got eight years to figure it out. Um, if there is a player that you 100% believe in, that you think this is our guy, this is the guy that we can build around or we believe can be something, go get him. Well, no matter, you know, not maybe not no matter what the cost, but if, if you are so dead set that this is our guy, we need this guy 100%, go get him. Do whatever it takes to go get him. And, and so I do think, you know, I don't know if this is the draft to be aggressive with, or I don't know if this I don't, is the draft that has, has the guys, but like, you know, if, if they believe Aaron Neesmith is the guy or, or the Aaron Neesmith is the guy they have to have, go get him. If they believe James Wiseman is the guy they have to have, that he's better than Nikola Vucevic, go to Golden State and say, you know, we'll, we'll take Andrew Wiggins and give you Nikola Vucevic in the 15th pick to get him. Go get him. Mm-hmm. Like it's, 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 it's the, the big thing that the Magic have to do and have to be better at is being aggressive going after their players, uh, going after the players they want and and, thought, and the players they identify and I, and trusting I, I, themselves to do so. I, I think that's part of it. And and, and the other half of the, the, the thing for me is I think there's been a methodology at play in terms of an identical ideal of the type of player that the Magic want to get, almost at the expense of who the player is or, or, or who they are themselves. It's like, what type of player is it? Is it a player that's long, switchable, athletic, whatever? Big arms, big wingspan, and it's it's been all based on on all of those kind of factors. Whereas I would love to see the moment, and I hope there comes the moment, maybe not in this draft, maybe in the next draft, where this front office goes, do you know what? That's a basketball player that we go after, and you go after a player for his game, for his craft, 
not for the athletic attributes that he possesses and, and how he sort of measures at the combine and stuff like that. You go after him based on how he's going to fit with your team based on his craft as a basketball player. That's that's the draft pick that I look forward to. Uh, and that's the... I think we've missed out on a few as a result of being committed to to this sort of methodology and, and ideology of the type of players that they want to pick. So... I think there comes a moment, and I think it's got to come in the next two, maximum three years, where this front office goes, we're going to get go and get, as you say, our guy. But that guy can't just be based on his, his sort of athletic attributes. It has to be based on his craft and the fit and how so- he can be the missing piece in the puzzle. Good stuff there as we break down the 2020 season, look ahead to 2021 and some of the big decisions facing the Orlando Magic with Stuart Hodge. On tomorrow's episode, we'll conclude this long conversation with a discussion of the Orlando Magic's overarching philosophy and where we think where we think that has gone wrong and what comes next out of the Magic as they enter this next phase, I guess, of the rebuilder or enter a very intriguing 2021 season as We've gotten to it. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. You've, of course, listened to part one on yesterday's episode of Locked on Magic. Part three will be on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic. But uh, I just want to thank Stuart again for coming on. You can follow him at Haji the Hack, H-O-D-G-E-Y-T-H-E-H-A-C-K. I want to thank him again for hopping on and and, and having this discussion. He's been good about kind of bringing out some some stronger points from me, as, as, as I know I sometimes tend to drone along here as a solo show host. Of course, uh, you can follow follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore md. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast enabled listening device. For the latest on the Orlando Magic, including my latest mock draft, we had a lot of a lot of draft talk in this episode. I did a, I did an entirely new mock draft. I have a new player that I'm picking for the Orlando Magic. Um, and I also discuss in that mock draft where I think the Magic will trade up, where the Magic could trade up or down in this draft. I think I'm going to split that out to a separate post as well. So be sure to follow OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You can follow us on Twitter at OmagicDaily for that mock draft and a whole lot more as we continue our player evaluation series. We'll get back to doing that on this show next week as well. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.